in the house of the Lord. So glad to see everyone this morning. I, if you're new with us today, I hope you know that you're, you're so welcome. We, we're glad you're with us. And if there's anything that we can do for you or be for you, uh, just don't hesitate to reach out. All of us pastors have our numbers on the back of this bulletin, and um, we're, we're just wanting to be whatever we can be for you. So uh, just don't, don't hesitate to reach out and let us walk with you in any way. But just know this morning you're welcome, and we're glad you're here. And uh, praise God for you. Uh, got a few things coming up. Uh, Trail Life is tomorrow night. That's our ministry for boys 5 to 17 years old. That's tomorrow night at uh, 6 o'clock here at the church. Uh, just come and be a part of that. Um, we also uh, have the Christmas Eve service coming up on a couple Saturdays from now, and it'll be on Christmas Eve at uh, 5 o'clock here at the church. And then the next day, Christmas morning, we'll have church here at 10 o'clock. So there won't be any Sunday school or anything like that. Just a, a joint service here at 10 o'clock in the morning. So I hope you'll come and uh, worship the Lord and be thankful for him sending his son on that day. Then uh, tonight we have the Christmas banquet. So from 5 to 7 o'clock tonight, hope you guys will just come and uh, be part of our, our Christmas banquet. The, the church is, uh, we, we've had a bunch of guys in the church smoke meat and uh, it's going to be great. Some, we've got some, also some turkeys and hams that have been cooked and some smoked brisket and smoked pork. And um, if you'll just uh, kindly bring, a, bring some side dish, then uh, we'll have a great time tonight just having fellowship and enjoying each other's company. So come tonight and uh, be a part of that. Also, right after this service, we've got to tear this place down and turn it into a banquet hall. So if anybody wants to stay and help with that, that'd be great. Uh, let's stand up and worship the Lord this morning. God, thank you so much, Lord, for being our God. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you have brought us all here. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that your heart is for us, Lord. Even as we stand here on our feet in this room this morning, Lord, you know where we stand. You know where our hearts are. You know what we need. Lord, you love us, and you're so into us. You're so involved in our lives and so so intimately and intricately wanting us, Lord, to hear from you and follow you today, God. And I pray that we would. In your precious name, amen. 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 Before we get started, I got one more announcement. Um, so as I mentioned in the last couple of weeks, our pastors and staff, we do a love offering for them every year. So if God's laying that on your heart, we've got this Sunday and next Sunday. So um, just designate that and put that in the offering. And then uh, I've got this sign here. I'm not sure I can read it. it. came from the kids' Sunday school class anyways, but I think it says Jesus is Emmanuel. So if you put this up there and it was said you actually meant something else, come help me out. But anyways, let's rejoice in the truth that Jesus is Emmanuel because that is the truth that we want to sing this morning. So go ahead, Connor.
turn and encourage one another this morning. You return to your places and stand again. We i 
Good morning. It's another great day to worship God, isn't it? Sing together and uh, hear God's word from Pastor Mike. Let's let's keep Pastor Mike in our prayers as he delivers the word of God to us. And pray that God would open our hearts so that we would receive what God wants to tell us. Today, we want to keep our missionaries uh, prayed for. Also, uh, pray for our own hearts. Pray that this Christmas season would be a special time when we can actually share the gospel with somebody. Uh, Feel free to invite people. Uh, Invite them to church. And also, just spend time talking to people about Jesus. Let the love of Jesus flow out of you. See what God can do through you. It's amazing. So anyway, let's, uh, let's pray together, and um, we'll move forward. Thank you, Lord, for our missionaries. Pray that you would just be with each one of our families that we have out there. Father, you've been so good to us as a church. Thank you for College Heights. You've given us a ministry to do right here in Casper, May we be all about sharing your love with others. Help us not to be ashamed of the gospel, Lord. It is the power of of God and to salvation. Lord, thank you for our service now. I pray for Pastor Mike as he brings your word that it would be powerful, Lord, that the Holy Spirit be at work in our lives. Use your word in my life. Use your word in our church. 
keep us faithful and strong. May we be a blessing to those around us. We pray for any that might be sick this morning that you would comfort them, give them encouragement, and bring, bring them back to health and strength soon. Lord, we also pray for the offering that you'd use that for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray this morning. Amen. Men, you can come forward and we'll take the offering.
is his name. Amen. Let's read this together, this passage from Matthew 9. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Brenda, will you read Spanish? ciudades y aldeas enseñando en las sinagogas de ellos y predicando el evangelio del reino y sanando toda enfermedad y toda dolencia en el pueblo y al ver las multitudes tuvo compasión de ellas porque estaban desamparadas y dispersas como ovejas que no tienen pastor Amen. if you go back to verse 36 for us Ms. Barb I was struck by how um, the angels called for uh, a Savior, a Savior who was born, and uh, he saw us distressed and dispirited like these verses, like this verse states, and he saw us and he had compassion for us, and this is the Savior we celebrate today, so let's magnify him this morning. Stay on. 
kids. Time for Super Church. Good morning to the rest of you. Glad you're here this morning. What a great thought. We should just be magnifying the Lord, right? If we love him and he's living in us and all the things he's done for us, it's not hard to magnify the Lord. One of the great blessings we have and we should just let it flow sometimes, right? Anyway, well, before we get started this morning, I want us to kind of read our verses. We've put those up in January. They've been up there all year. I haven't taken enough time to really go over them, but just kind of a, just kind of a theme for this last year of, you know, whatever we do, we want to do it in a demonstration of the Spirit's power and demonstration of God's power. And so let's read these things and then I'll get started. So my speech, my message were not with persuasive words of wisdom but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. You know, that's, that's my prayer every time I get ready to teach or preach or anytime I'm talking with somebody about Christ, I, 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 really, I really truly pray, Lord, I don't, I don't need them to see anything I have. I don't need them to see any kind of wisdom I have. I don't need them to see any kind of abilities I have. I want them to see Christ and you know, I encourage you guys to realize that he's enough. You know, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, he's enough. He's enough to give you the strength to wisdom or to, to witness. He's enough to enable you to teach when you do that. He's enough to enable you to love. He's enough to 
as you share the simplicity of the gospel to change a heart, even if they don't believe in Jesus, even if they don't believe in God, even if they just have no regard for God whatsoever, when we speak in the power of the Holy Spirit, God will show himself off. We just got to speak, right? So I pray you'll continue to just seek the Lord for that. And, then, and if you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to look at the first four verses in this passage today. And, you know, it's, it's an amazing time of year. I mean, I mean that sincerely. I always get excited about Christmas time. I always get excited about Easter, obviously, because they really do kind of amplify, give us a chance to really consider what God has done for us and to consider how much God loves us. And I really encourage you to spend time thinking about Christ, thinking about what it means for Jesus to be born into this world as a baby, as a human, uh, and for the purpose that he came for, which is to die on the cross for us, to save us from our sins and to impact our lives and to take some time this Christmas to talk about that. And quite honestly, I love Christmas time because of the opportunities we have to worship that are little, little extra times, you know. We're going to have our Christmas banquet tonight, and I hope you come. I hope that every single one of you come uh, because, man, there's an opportunity, right, to gather in his name, in Christ's name, have fellowship with each other, which we're going to talk about in this passage of Scripture, and then to worship again, to be drawn near to God. And uh, I know sometimes that we get busy, and I know sometimes that extra activities interrupt our normal, mundane, dreary, drab lives. Sorry. But uh, (laughs) it's kind of nice to do something different focused on Jesus. And so I want you to think about that and our Christmas Eve service, all the things, and and even Sunday morning, right, Christmas Day. Uh, Yes, we're worshiping the Lord on Christmas Day. Every now and then I have people ask me that. Hey, Christmas is on a Sunday this year. Are you going to have church? Nah. I don't think we'll worship Jesus on Christmas. Yes. Yes, we're going to have church. We're going to do it at 10 o'clock. We want to be mindful of the other things that people do, but we are going to honor Jesus Christ, and we're not going to be sorry about it. I hope you'll join us for that. So just some thoughts. Let's look at uh, 1 John chapter 1. One through four. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's just good to be here. I love to come and gather with the body of Christ, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and to be able to take some time to sing to you and give thanks for who you are and what you've done in our lives. I love to take some time to pray, Lord, and how we praise you for the prayer time we had this morning during Sunday school and pray that you would just continue to grow us to be a church of prayer, a house of prayer, a home of prayer. Uh, Allow us to be people who seek you and trust you through prayer. Lord, I'm also thankful this morning that we can gather and look into your word Uh, We need your truth, Lord God. 
Nobody else is teaching us your truth. Nobody else is speaking your truth into our lives. And so we pray that you would help us learn your word and then be able to take it into this world and share it with others. Father, honestly, I'm thankful that we can come and let you examine our hearts. Um, You want to speak to us personally this morning. Some Some people are here and they need to trust you for the first time. Pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Those of us that do know you, Father, we need to grow in multiplied ways. But in whatever way you would have us to grow today, I pray you'd speak that to us. And I pray we would say yes in obedience to you as you lead us on our path with you, Lord. So bless this time we have together. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So it's been an interesting week for me. I mean, I really kind of felt like the Lord had told me, just take some time away from the book of Matthew for the next few weeks and, you know, talk about Christmas and focus on Jesus, which is, which is a joy. I mean, I, I, I love to just talk about his birth and what brought that about and the significance of that and the glory of that. Um, but man, as I studied through and prayed over, you know, I read... Old Testament passages, I read New Testament passages, I read passages that had to do with why Christ came and the purpose of his birth, and and man, nothing just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't the passage, and so even yesterday at the house at about 11 o'clock, I'm actually saying to the Lord, Lord, I, I'm not quite sure where I'm going here, I don't know what you want me to do, which is not the most settling thing in the world, you know, because um, I'm going to preach whether I'm ready or not, so I would like to be ready. And, uh, but it was interesting that a few weeks ago, a month or so ago, I'd come across this passage in my personal reading and, and I'd actually taken a note and said, you know, on our calendar, in our church calendar, I'd put on there first John one, one through four, cause I thought, well, maybe I'll share that at the banquet tonight. Well, then I kind of really felt like I needed to ask Aaron to come share tonight. And I kind of forgot about this passage. So I'm sitting in my house yesterday praying and the Lord said, Hey, what about that? First John passage, you know, it's interesting to me. Isn't it cool about God? I mean, he, he gives you something for a reason and you should probably pay attention to it most of the time. So I'm like, all right, Lord. And I, I flipped over there and I'm like, well, that's the one. And so, so it's not really what you would call a Christmas passage, but it is a pretty crazy deep passage, not just about who Christ is, but about who we are in Christ. And so the title of my message this morning is The Fellowship is in the Life. And I love the way this book starts, just simple verses, but they're so so profound. You know, John starts by saying, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And, and that verse, I, I won't pretend to be able to share all the depths of that verse nor of these verses together. But, but there's some, some powerful thoughts in here. You know, he says, what was from the beginning? Uh, that word beginning is the same word that he uses in his gospel. In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Same word, even kind of the same reference, right? And that time frame in the beginning literally means as far back as you want to go, he was. So it means if you want to think a thousand years before Christ, he was there. 
a million years before Christ, a billion years before Christ, a trillion years before Christ. Amplify that by a trillion. He's, what he's saying is he's always been. He's eternal, right? And I realize when we begin to talk about that stuff, that it, it, it's pretty mind-boggling. I mean, who among us can wrap our mind around a God who is eternal? He has no beginning, has no ending. He has no creator. He is God and he is creator. He's creator of all things. I mean, I, I enjoy it when I talk with people that don't believe in God and I mean, they, they really want to just have this opportunity to share with me how foolish I am to believe in this eternal, ever-existing, all-encompassing God. And I'm like, well, how do you believe all this stuff came into being? And of course, they give me their, their wonderful, what they call scientific answers. I disagree with them scientifically. Um, but they're like, well, you know, there was nothing, and then there was something. And then that something somehow began to move which is scientifically absolutely impossible. Nothing comes from nothing. And if there's nothing, there's nothing to move whatever came from nothing if it's possible for something to come from nothing. So it's impossible. It's scientifically ridiculous. And so they tell me their stuff and I'm like, well, man, you have incredible faith. And they're like, no, I'm like, oh, yes, you do. You got ridiculous faith. I have faith in a God who's so big that I can't quite wrap my mind around him. Hallelujah. Who doesn't want faith in the living God who is truly this God that's unlike us? I don't know about you, but you don't want a God like me. And I don't want a God like you. I mean, if I'm your God, great, that's, that's maybe okay. Maybe I can help you at least until the day I die, <laughs> and then I'm out. And honestly, I really got nothing for you. I mean, of all the things I've learned in the 32-plus years of pastoring is that I got nothing, but I can point you to the one that has everything, right? So John says, what was from the beginning? This God, this word of life that he's going to talk about, we'll describe that a little more in a minute. This thing I'm talking about, if you will, this person I'm talking about, he says, we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked at, we have touched with our hands. Now think about that for a minute because that's, that's crazy. I mean, really, it's so radical that when we begin to talk about these truths with people that have no concept of God, they're looking at us like we are fully insane. And, and to some degree, it's true. I mean, when we begin to talk about the fact that this God that has always been, he's always been perfectly self-contained. He's always been perfectly happy with who he is. This God who needed nothing, who wanted nothing, who owed nobody anything. This God 
has obviously been brought to a place where he can be known. Because if you read through that list again, what we have heard, you can, you can start there and go, well, okay, they heard God somehow. He spoke, and you know, when people tell, when I, I tell people, I say, I really feel like the Lord is leading me to do this. And I've had some people say, well, did he speak to you? Yep. I mean, you heard his voice? No. Kind of happy about that. God's voice is not something that you take lightly, but does he speak to me? Yeah. And so some people go, well, okay, so they heard from God and they don't, there's no definition to that. There's no measurement to that. They're just saying they heard from God. Maybe true, maybe not. Well, that'd be fine, except it says what we've seen with our eyes. That brings these things to a little bit deeper understanding, right? This God who never had a beginning, who's unlike anything like the rest of us, we've now been able to see, John says. We've seen him. Not only that, but we have looked at him. That means we've watched him. We've seen what he does. We've seen how he lives. We've seen where he's gone. We've watched him and who he is. And if that wasn't enough, he says we've touched him with our hands. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. I mean, that's incredible. Even if you can't wrap your mind fully around the living God and all that he is and his eternality, if you get any kind of inkling of his greatness and his glory... And then consider that he would bring all of that glory into a form, if you will, a body, a person that you could hear and see and watch and touch. Is that not incredible? And I, I want you to know that I mean, as we look at this book of 1 John, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but th this intro is just this summation, basically, of this purpose for the book of 1 John. I mean, the purpose of the book of 1 John, some people tell me, is to talk about love and loving one another and loving God and God loving us. Uh, that's all part of the purpose, but that's not the purpose of this book. The purpose of this book is to encourage people to remain faithful to God, to remain faithful to Jesus Christ, to remain faithful to the truth of God. I mean, they were living in a day that was not that much different than our day. I mean, I know we think that right now the world is far more out of control than it's ever been before. Not true. Not true. Not even close to true. I mean, God destroyed the world in Noah's day because every man and their thoughts were nothing but wicked. You think, you think we're worse than that? We're probably as bad, but we're not worse. You think we live in a day where people don't always believe in Jesus? They don't always believe in God? And it's the first time ever in the history of the world? Sorry. John's only about 60 years moved past Christ's crucifixion. John's probably about 90 years old. This is an old man. 
and he's a godly man. He's been through all kinds of suffering in the name of Jesus Christ by this point. But what John is seeing is that within the church, within the body of Christ, people are beginning to diminish Christ and they're beginning to move away from Christ and they're beginning to move away from the church. They're beginning to move away from what God has done. And so the book of 1 John is really written to encourage believers to maintain their commitment to Christ and to each other. There's not really any doubt about it. And, and the crazy thing is, is that it's serious when they don't. I mean, let me read 1 John two nineteen to you. It says, they went out from us because they were not really of us. For if they, if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. Isn't that a crazy verse? I mean, you're talking about people that have claimed to know Jesus Christ, but because of suffering, because of trials, because of doubts in their lives, because of false teachers, because of heresy, you name it, man, they're checking out from the church. They're checking out from Christ. And man, that's happening today at least in our country. But if you read the stats, it tells us in our country that church attendance and, and faithful followers of Christ, you know, they're becoming less and less in the United States of America. The truth of the matter is, is that part of the problem in America is that so many churches are checking out from Christ in general. I mean, we have churches today that no longer preach that Jesus is the only way to salvation. We have churches today that preach that the word of God is not the inspired word of God. We have churches today that when the society says, hey, this sin is now acceptable, that wasn't acceptable 20 years ago, they're like, well, okay, even though the Bible says it's not, it's a sin, we go, well, we won't call it a sin because we don't want to offend anybody. And so what they're doing by these kind of motions and actions and, and things that they believe is they're diminishing Christ. Right? Jesus isn't what he says he is. He isn't the savior of all. He isn't holy. He isn't just. He isn't judge. And so all of a sudden they diminish Christ. And no wonder people aren't sticking around. If Jesus isn't literally the Lord of lords and king of kings, then why follow him? If Jesus isn't holy and just and judge, then why serve him? I mean, we, we live in a day today where and even among strong churches, we have people that go, I don't, I don't care if I serve Jesus. What is Jesus to me? I'll serve him when I want to, and I'll serve him, and I won't serve him when I don't want to. And what difference does it make? Well, if you diminish Jesus, then yeah, you, you're God. He's not God. So you can do what you want to. But if Jesus is Lord, if Jesus saved you, if Jesus was the one that gave his life for you, then, man, your love for him is top-notch. Your love for him is willing to lay down your life for him. And he requires that of us, doesn't he? I mean, man, we, we begin to look at the scriptures about what Jesus has called us to. He says, unless you're willing to deny yourself daily and take up your cross daily and follow me, you're not worthy of me. Unless you love me more than father or mother, son or daughter, sister or brother, husband or wife, you're not worthy of me. I mean, he's, he's got no casual call upon our life because he's the Lord God Almighty. He laid his life down for our sins. And here we are, a bunch of people that are meandering around as if he's inconsequential to us, though claiming at the same time that we're saved. And there's no possible way you get to claim that. 
And so John is coming to his people and saying, look, they went out from us because they weren't of us. That's substantial. And it should be substantial today. And so John's writing this letter and he's, again, kind of summarizing, if you will, this glorious gospel that the one who was in the beginning, the, the eternal living God, we've heard and seen with our eyes and watched in his life and touched with our hands this word of life. That's incredible to me. You and I have got to renew, if you will, our understanding of the depth of the gospel, of the depth of Christ's sacrifice, of the depth of God's love. If we're going to actually be men and women who live for Christ the way God calls us to, and quite honestly, when we renew that understanding of all that God has done for us, then living for Jesus is not hard. It's not even sacrificial. It's joyful. It's joyful. I'm still, I still marvel when you look at the disciples and they were beaten early on after Christ's resurrection. They were beaten for preaching the gospel and they left there praising God for being counted worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Is that not joyful when you understand what God has done for us through Christ? Well, this word of life, it's interesting as well because uh, quite honestly, we think what in the world does word of life mean? But it's, it's pretty sweet because it basically describes two things about Christ. First of all, that he is life. He's the revelation, if you will, of life, of God. And he is the giver, the imparter of life. I mean, just listen to these scriptures. First, talking about that, him being the source of life, John 14, 6. Many of you know that. hope you do. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. No one, right? He is the source of life. In John 10, 27 through 30, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. And so he's saying, I'm not just the source of life. I'm not just the giver of life. The reason I'm the source and the reason I'm the giver is because I'm God, right? So now he's talking again, he's taking us line by line, if you will, to build some theology in our life to know that, man, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about the word of life, we're talking about God who came as a man that we might be saved and we might receive eternal life. He's the only way. Matter of fact, I love over in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And I love this, which translated means God with us. Can you imagine? I mean, we have a, a fairly new baby in our church. She's only a couple of weeks old, and she was here first service, and she's, old. she's like this big, you know. 
And she all snuggle up to her mama. Who doesn't love new babies? They're so sweet. But that's who Jesus was. When he was born, he was this cuddly little baby. God. (laughs) Cuddly little baby God? (laughs) No. All God, all cuddly little baby. It's crazy. And in him was life, right? And John goes on, he says, and the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life. And I love that he's, he's talking about, again, he's not mentioned Jesus, but he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about this, if you will, this, this incredible truth, this almost outside of what we could comprehend truth, but he's talking about him as a person, right? This life was manifested. It was made known. And, and sometimes we think, well, the only way it was made known was by Jesus becoming a man. No, it was made known through him while he was on this earth in all that he did and his attitudes and his heart. I mean, I love to think about Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Hebrews chapter one, go back and read that. His exact essence, if you will. He's literally, literally God showing us who God is. And so when we look at Jesus, right, he was holy. He never sinned. He never did anything. He never had a harsh thought. He never, never had an impure mind. He never had a vile tongue. He never had inappropriate anger. He never refused to love somebody. He never refused to, to hold somebody accountable, I mean, he was holy. I, I love that about Jesus. He, I, even in his rebuke, right? Peter said, Lord, it, it's never going to happen that you're going to go to the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're not focusing your, your mind on God's interest, but on man's. Even his rebuke, he was holy. I, mean, I love to think about Christ in his holiness while he was on earth. But I love to think about Christ in his compassion while he was on earth. Just in his patience, Right? The, the disciples, they looked a whole lot like us. I mean, they said they knew things. They walked with Jesus. They said they learned things. And then they'd say foolish things or do foolish things. But Christ, even in his compassion, would not, he wouldn't walk away from them. He wouldn't give up on them. He wouldn't quit on them. He loved them. Lepers would come up to him and say, Lord, if you're willing to make us clean, make us clean. And he would say, I'm willing. And he would touch them and blow people's minds that he would associate with somebody as unclean and as despicable as a leper and make them whole. I love to think about him raising the dead. You want to know about the life giver, right? Think about Lazarus. And he says, roll the stone away. And and Martha's like, Lord, King James says, he stinketh. My favorite passage in the King James Bible. He stinketh. (laughs) Lord, why would you move that stone? Man, there's a decaying body in there. And Jesus is like, just hang on, Martha. Roll the stone away. I'm the life giver. I'm the resurrection and the life. I told you. And he just says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out. He's the life giver. I mean... This God was made manifest to us, not just in this body that he had, but in who he was and the way he lived and what he did and how he loved people, his mercies and his compassions. We saw God 
in him. And John says the life was manifested, it was made known, it was revealed to us. And we again have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life. He doesn't say we proclaim and testify and have seen eternal life. He says we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life. It's him. Do you not see that? The eternal life is Christ. It's nothing less. It's not good works. I mean, you didn't get saved because you're better than some low life out there. You aren't saved still today because somehow you've grown to be better than somebody you despise. We have eternal life because Christ himself is eternal life. There's no other life apart from him. And I love the truth about this because, you know, sometimes we are just so convinced, right, that we are the ones that are making ourselves, if you will, live. Well, just try that. Just try that. I had a, had a great conversation with a woman one time down at the rescue mission. Uh, we were just talking about God's sovereignty and how God is our source of life and how he is actually our breath and our body. And I said, without Christ, you're going to die. And you can't stop yourself from dying. And this one lady says, oh, yes, I can. I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but you can't. Oh, yes, I can. I said, well, ma'am, what if you had a stroke right now? What if you had a heart attack right now? You're going to make yourself live? Oh, yeah. I'm in control of my life. I said, sorry, ma'am. No chance. No chance. We've seen it if you've lived very long, right? Man, one of the dearest men that I've ever known, member of this church, stepping down the steps of his house, never made it to the end of the steps, dropped dead. Big, healthy, awesome, godly man, right? You don't get to tell me you're in control of your life. Who is? Who's the one that gives you life? Who is eternal life? Well, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And man, I, I don't really know if we get this all figured out. But John says, it was manifested. We've seen, testify, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So let me remind you again that he says, we've seen him, we're testifying to him, we're proclaiming him. He was with the Father, and now he's been with us. He's the answer. And men and women, I get that there is a call to faith in Jesus Christ that goes beyond the reason and the logic and the intelligence of man. And aren't you glad? Do you really want to live on all the glories of your knowledge? Do you really want to trust in all the glories of your strength? Do you really want to have a hope in all that you can accomplish on your own? Or do you want to look past you and go, look at this glorious God and all that he is, and then see the depth of his love and that he sent himself, his son, to come and die for us. I call you to believe today. 
believe in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. And followers of Christ, stop trying to say that Jesus is the start and he's not the end. He's the start and he's the finish and he's everything in between. Trust him. Don't miss him. Well, then he goes on in what I find to be incredibly interesting and insightful. In verse 3, he says, What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, that's interesting to me because you know, you wouldn't think that he had written that. You would have thought that he would have said, I, I show this to you and proclaim this to you so that you'll have eternal life. That would have made sense to me. Of course, I want you to have eternal life, but that's not what the purpose of his letter was. The purpose of his letter was to call these believers to this fellowship with him and the other believers that literally de- demonstrated to the world that they were believers. Because many of them were checking out, just like I talked about earlier. And so he says to them, man, I write this to you so that you will have fellowship with us. And most of us, we scratch our heads when we, when we read this because fellowship doesn't mean much to us. Fellowship is cheap to us. For most of us, fellowship is, hey, we'll get together and have a meal or we'll talk about some fun things or we'll play a game and we'll call that fellowship. And to some degree, that is fellowship. And I, I enjoy that. But that's not what he's talking about. Fellowship is not cheap, and it's not based on what you want, and it's not based on what you're comfortable with. I mean, we live in a society today that, man, fellowship is so uncomfortable, even at the base level, isn't it? Oh, my goodness, we're going to have somebody in our home. You know, Beth gets a little nervous about this. She wants her house to look good, right? She wants people to think well of us. I'm like, well, it's too late. But anyway, you know, they get what they get. And, but we get nervous, right? Because we don't, we don't know what people are going to be like. Is it going to be an awkward evening, you know? I mean, <laughs> I always know when somebody invites me over that they're like, oh, great. This is going to be awkward. But we'll do it because we're supposed to, you know? He's the pastor. But then they don't know what to talk to me about, you know? I, I honestly, <laughs> I should just do what I think sometimes. Because it'd be great just to walk into somebody's house and go, okay, man, where's your Bible? Where's your Bible? All right, turn over to, you know, 1 John chapter 1. <laughs> and just go with the whole preach thing. I would love that sometime. Just to walk. That's what they think about me. You know, he's going to come preach at us. I, just, I would I enjoy myself if I just did that, you know. Anyway, I haven't yet. I haven't yet. Give it a shot. Maybe we'll try it at your house. <sighs> it's so funny because fellowship in God's eyes is so much more. This word fellowship that he uses here is used throughout the Bible, but it's actually a participation fellowship. Uh, this isn't uh, empty fellowship. It's, it's really defined as the act of sharing in the activity or privileges of an intimate association or group. And it really is referred basically in the scriptures to the church and to marriage, right? So let me read some scripture to you that might illustrate that. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship, active participation in Christ Jesus. 
That means to live for him, to get to know him, to obey him, to walk with him. You actively participate in this fellowship with Christ. I love that. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 15 is, is interesting to me. It says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness or what harmony has Christ with Belial or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? And the answer to those questions is there's, there's nothing in common. But what's interesting to me is that these synonyms for fellowship in this verse are really telling bound together partnering, harmony, in common. That's what fellowship is, to be bound together, to partner with somebody, to have harmony together, to have things in common together. I mean, that's what fellowship is. When Jesus says, or when John says, I write these things to you about this glorious God who's made himself known to us, and we've seen him, touched him, heard him, you know, walked with him, he says, I'm writing this to you so that you'll have fellowship with us, so that you'll have actual partnership among believers. So we'll be together as the body of Christ and we'll walk together, we'll encourage each other, we'll love each other, we'll put up with one another. <clears throat> I mean, isn't it true? We live in a day and age where people say, man, I don't want to be committed to the church because there's a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Well, it's true, at least to some degree. None of us live up to all that we want to live up to, but I always want to say to them, and I do say to them, well, because there's no hypocrites outside the church. I mean, you want to go hang out at the bar, there's no hypocrites at the bar. You want to go to the football game, no hypocrites at the football game. Come on. What ridiculous nonsense is that? The truth be known is that, man, when we have fellowship with Jesus Christ. See, that's the thing. The fellowship he's talking about comes from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is amazing, right? I mean, in the church, it's difficult sometimes because people hurt us. People hurt us. Man, I've been hurt multiple times. I can't tell you how many times I've been hurt. People that were you know, said things about me, had attitudes toward me that weren't true, that accused me of things that I didn't do. I mean, that, that just whatever. They're difficult to get along with, and I'm difficult to get along with too, mind you, but in the church, right, shouldn't we be the kind of people that forgive quickly? Shouldn't we be the kind of people that love unconditionally? Shouldn't we be the kind of people that are patient and gracious toward those who are still growing in their faith and struggling in their faith, shouldn't we be the kind of people that come along and pick up others when they're struggling and when they fall down? Shouldn't that be what the church is? But instead, many times, we go, I don't want to be committed to the church. I don't want to be a part of the church. I'm going to just take what I can from the church, get what I can from the church. I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to be self-centered. I'm going to be greedy. I'm not going to be sacrificial. I'm not going to lay my life down for anybody else. Except how can you then call yourself a Christian? Which means like Christ, little Christ. When Jesus quickly forgives us, has laid his life down for our sins, loves us unconditionally, and has walked long with us, though we are not worthy of any of it. Isn't it true? 
John says, man, I'm proclaiming these things to you so that you will have active participation in this body of Christ that we call the church. And it's so important for you to have that because if you don't, back to that verse in chapter 2, 19, they went out from us because they were not of us. Listen, it's, this is not small to John. This fellowship thing is not insignificant to Christ. He's saying that having fellowship with the body of Christ because of what Christ has done for each one of us is a testimony to who we are in Christ Jesus. If we are in Christ Jesus, then we want to be a part of what's going on. We want to minister to one another. We want to strengthen one another. We want to honor God by being a part of this. That's what he's saying. And it's a crazy day we live in because I've heard countless people tell me, it doesn't matter if you're part of a church. I don't have to be a part of a church. I can worship anywhere anywhere I want to. I don't have to give. I mean, the church just wants you to give your money anyway, right? That's all they want from you, your money and your time. Well, amen. It's true. Because honestly, that shows who you are in Christ. Very simply. So yeah, if you want to be truth or truthful, by the way, I couldn't care less. I'll never know how much you give, just so you know. I could care less about money. But I care deeply about your heart. I care deeply about your relationship with Jesus. And if money is the reason that keeps you from coming to Jesus and you die with all the money you can gain, I'll grieve for you with all my heart. But your death will be on you. It's your fault, not mine. Listen, it's no joke to be in Christ Jesus. It's no joke to have a relationship with God. I mean, if you really want to think about marriage in this fellowship that God called man and woman to, it's pretty intense, right? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This active participation of fellowship in the church and this active participation of fellowship in a marriage is about coming into each other's lives as followers of Christ and never breaking that commitment to one another to walk together, to love one another, just like a man and a woman are not allowed to break that commitment in God's eyes. I know it happens. I'm not here to judge anybody. That's not my deal. But that's the type of active participation God's calling us to. And it comes from the recognition that Jesus Christ, the living, holy, eternal one, has come to this earth, revealed himself to us. We know who he is. He's the word of life, the source of life, the partaker and giver of life. And in him, we become brand new. And that brand new person loves all the other brand new people that have come to know Jesus, whether they're brand new or they've been there for a while, we learn to love each other 
and we have fellowship with each other. And the Bible says we have fellowship with the Father and we have fellowship with the Son because that's who has it. Those that have trusted Christ. And I love how verse 4 kind of sums this up. He says, these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Man, I like to think about John, who, like I said, probably 90 years old. They don't know if it's before the Isle of Patmos where he was, you know, sent off to die or after, but either way, he's been through great sufferings for Christ. And what he says is, I want you guys to see who Christ is. I want you guys to be committed to Christ. I want you to see how that looks. When you're committed to Christ, you're committed to one another. and You actively participate in each other's lives. And I'm writing this to you because if that's what you do, if you'll choose Jesus, you'll choose to be a part of this active participation in the life of Christ, you'll make my joy complete. And quite honestly, I, I don't have a hard time understanding that. You know, I've told you before, Beth and I, I was called to preach out of a church, returned to Christ. Beth was saved in a church that just flat loved us. They just flat loved us. I mean, they loved us. I don't know if everybody did, but there were so many of them that loved us, spent time with us, prayed for us, helped us grow. That didn't matter if everybody loved us because it sure felt like everybody did. And that's all I've ever wanted to be a part of was a real church, a genuine church. And I've been so blessed in so many ways to be a part of this church for so long. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that tonight. But, but do you know how long it takes for a church to stop being all that God created them to be? And enjoying the blessings of that fellowship and that partnership and that love, it takes about a second. It takes a day. It takes a week. It takes a month. It doesn't take very long for us to decide that something's more important to us than Christ. That we're more important than the other people that we know who walk with Christ. It doesn't take very long before the church is just a building with no love and no life and no joy and no peace and no care and no character and no Christ. It doesn't take long. Man, how about we pray today for a follower of Christ that we would just continue to commit to one another and to the Lord Jesus Christ to have fellowship, to participate to be together, to love each other. And man, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you do not have that fellowship. You don't have fellowship with other believers and you don't have fellowship with the Father or the Son. He's the life giver, Jesus Christ. Why not trust him today and then become a part of the fellowship? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you and I'm thankful for you. I know, Lord, that the church, as we look at her, is not perfect. 
Lord, I'm not even close. But the church and who you've created her to be is perfect. She is forgiven. She is being cleansed by the washing of your word even today that you might present her spotless and without blemish on the day of salvation. Your church is the representation of Christ in this world today and how we love each other and treat each other, walk with each other, reflects who you are in our lives. And Lord, you have done the most incredible thing that we celebrate this Christmas season. The eternal God has become a man, Emmanuel. You came to be among us, to show us who God is and to give your life as a sacrifice. Nothing's more incredible or more glorious. Nothing is more humbling and to some degree convicting than to think of what you've done for us. How I pray for the lost to be saved today through faith in that Savior. And how I pray that we as followers of Christ would realize that we have fellowship with you through Christ and we have fellowship with one another and that is so powerful and deep. Call us, Lord, to selfless, sacrificial, gracious, faithful, persevering lives that your name might be glorified in us. And Lord, I love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing. Our pastors would love to pray with you or share Christ with you, whatever we can do. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile Till the Son of God appeared. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O Son of God, most sinfulness and pride restore us as a child by far to consecrate and set us apart rejoice rejoice Emmanuel shall come to Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're thankful that you've come. And we're thankful that when we seek you and pray, you continue to come, to hear us, to answer us, to guide us, protect us, provide for us, bless us. Thank you, Lord God. 
I ask that you would draw us near to you and draw us near to each other. Lord, let us live in such a way that you'd be glorified in our lives. As we leave this place, Lord, let us be mindful of who we are in this world. We're to be like shining stars in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So let us shine for Christ. And as we celebrate your birth this season, Lord, get glory from us and let us be thankful and full of joy for all that you've done for us. Lord, thanks again for the grace you've shown us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Don't forget tonight, and if you can stay, we're going to put all these chairs up, bring in some tables, and put the chairs back around them. So if you can stay and help with that, that'd be great.